The Fresh Fiction Podcast is brought to you by Ravel Books and Bethany House, publishers of the Nantucket Legacy series by Suzanne Woods Fisher. Welcome back to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. With summer in full swing, what's a better time than now to pick up a new series? Suzanne Woods Fisher stopped by the podcast to talk about Phoebe's Light, the first in her Nantucket Legacy trilogy. In the novel, Suzanne introduces readers to the Quaker community, a cloistered group of people with good hearts. Set against the backdrop of a historical Nantucket, Suzanne brings to life the story of Phoebe and the gifts her father gave her before she set out on a nautical adventure. Also, Suzanne shares her picks on what you should read, watch, and listen to after you finish Phoebe's Light. If you love what you hear, don't forget to subscribe to the Fresh Fiction Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, or any of your other favorite podcast apps. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram by following at Real Vixen. Stay tuned for my interview with Suzanne. It's coming up next. Thank you so much, Suzanne Woods-Fisher, for joining me today um, for the Fresh Fiction Podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you about Phoebe's Light. Yes, I'm really excited about it. This is a story I have wanted to write for years and years and years, and actually even had it contracted a few years ago, but the Amish books have been selling so well that my publisher kept kind of um, Mm flip-flopping, but... But I'm I'm so excited to have this chance to finally get this Quaker Nantucket story, this whole series, out and into the market. For our listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, I live out in California, which probably sounds crazy for someone who writes about Quaker Nantucket or yeah. <laughs> Amish Lancaster. But I am a mom with four kids who are grown now, and I even have some little grandchildren. I raise puppies for Guide Dogs to the Blind, and and that is fun. Oh, that my gosh. Good. That's all I want to talk to you about now. <laughs> I know. I know. They're so cute. And then I have been writing for as long as I can remember. I wrote magazines freelance while my kids are growing up because four kids gives you so much material. Mm-hmm. And then when they started heading to college was when I transitioned into books. The reason I write about the older or Amish is because my grandfather was raised playing back in near Gettysburg. And I've had a really authentic, I believe, connection to the plain people through my relatives that yeah. makes me always write a little, I feel, deeper. I'm looking past the bonnet and the buggies and the beards mm-hmm. to kind of see what is it that really draws you. It's it's more than a simple lifestyle. There's a lot more to it. That's so fascinating. Um, my family, my mom's side of the family is also uh, part Amish and mostly Mennonite now. Um, and so I've had... spent many, many summers going back to Lancaster County to visit family. Um, Was that something that you also experienced growing up, too? Yes. Yeah, we have. um, Actually, even out in California, there's a large colony of German Baptists. That was what my grandfather was, which is the Dunkers. I don't know if that name rings a bell to you, but it's it's a a little bit of a cousin to the Mennonites and the Amish. Mm -hmm. And and then also family is all back in Franklin County, just a really beautiful area, just love, love, you know, connecting with relatives, and every five years there's a a large love feast, they call it, and we've gone to the one that's closest to us where everyone who can come is gathered under this giant tent, and you feel as if you've walked into another century. It's just a, you know, acapella singing, and very slow and calm, and Mm -hmm. and worshipful, and then, you know, this lovely practical meal after that you celebrate together, but... It's a rich heritage. It really is, and it's part of America and part of fastest-growing population in the entire North America are the old-order Amish. So 
it's worth paying attention to. Yes, absolutely. It's so fascinating to me because I, you know, I've grown, I've experienced it um, for my entire life, and it's so funny going back home and visiting. Uh, my my most of my family lives in either Ephrata or Intercourse, and they oh. always have huge events. But there's becoming fewer and fewer because there's less and less Amish and more and more English coming in. And you know, Ephrata is interesting. I actually wrote a book that was based out of Ephrata Cloister. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Really, really fun. I mean, you know, you've got Benjamin Franklin history. Yes. You've got all kinds of, and it's not that old. It's really kind of recent in the grand scheme of life. It is right around the corner. Yeah, that's that's always one of the most fascinating things to me about um, the religion too. Is it's such a, it is like what you said, it's such an American piece, but it, it's so young. <laughs> mm-hmm. And here they're four hundred years and going. Yeah, you know, going strong. That's fantastic. But the Quakers kind of is a, just a segue to them. Mm-hmm. A lot of people confuse the Quakers and the Amish. A lot of people. Oh, and absolutely. Certainly, they, you know, in some respects, they can almost seem alike from the outside, especially historically. But they really are different. They're from the, the English. Um, the Quakers come from England. The older Amish and the Mennonites and all come out of Europe. Kind of the same time frame, but with a very different way of expressing their faith and to put it in super simple terms the quakers while pacifist and non-resistant so they share that value in common with the with the mennonites and the older Amish, but they really believe in taking an active role in seeking justice abolitionism levi coffin was the president of the um, underground railroad he was comes out of the nantucket coffins you know and even though he lived in indiana and they they have just a strong sense of um, justice and rightness and care for the underprivileged. In fact, a, like a curious thing to know about the Quakers is that they created the idea of um, solitary confinement in prisons. In fact, the whole idea of penitentiary comes from penance, where you have time that, in, to reflect and to, to meet with God and to actually really rehabilitate your soul and your character. That's that's where it comes from. So they have a very different way versus the Amish who tend to isolate themselves mm-hmm. and want to be sort of a, in the world but not of it. That's so interesting about um, about the role of Quakers in in the penal uh, not in the penal system but just in that that subset because it's it's so sad now to see things like that was that was made to have reflection and mindfulness then sort of exploited and taken advantage of in a, in a new more modern way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now it seems so horrific. But yeah. I think they even designed a prison outside of Philadelphia where there was a little hole in the top of the roof so that they could see the eye of God. Wow. And that was what that it was all about, that idea of reform and not so much punishment. But they're interesting. The role of women, very different. The Quakers, women are ministers. Women have a voice. Blacks had a voice. I mean, people, all people mattered, every single person individual. The Amish, while certainly have a great reverence for life, they have very clear roles, and women do not have a role in church. Yeah. So, um, you know, there too. And, and this is where the story of Phoebe Light comes in, because I think Mary Coffin, who was one of the early founders to Nantucket, she's the one who brought Quakerism into Nantucket in the late, right around the turn of the century of 1700, and probably had a lot 
the appeal of a woman. <laughs> she was a strong woman and a really impressive one. She was considered sort of the Deborah of the Old Testament on this island. Oh, wow. She yeah. interacted with everybody. And she brought Quakerism in to kind of give it a scaffolding as it was starting to grow into the most wealthiest port in the entire world by the mid, mid to late 1700s to 18, early 1800s. So Quakerism provided so much. And now it's kind of, you know, now it's kind of something you don't really hear much about, and it's sort of on the periphery, but, and it has split and split and split and split, so that I don't know if it's close to even what it originally, uh, the movement that had originally grown, but. Yeah, I think most people just think of uh, oatmeal. (laughs) I know, I know, and you know why they did that? It had nothing to do with, with Quakerism. They had, they took the brand, the whole idea of honest, Mm -hmm. hard labor, and they just took the brand and put it at Quaker Oats in their packaging. What a disappointing discovery. (laughs) Yeah, I know, I know. So so you were saying with with Phoebe's Light, you've had this story in the back of your head for for years, and um, why why did you feel like now is it that it was the time for you to to finally get to release it, other than than, um, Revel just wanting you to write some other stuff? (laughs) Yeah. Are you okay from the publisher? Yeah. <laughs> well, some of it, I, I go back to a trip I had taken to Nantucket with my parents in the 1990s, and I was walking down a street called Center Street, which is, it tees off of Main Street, and Main Street is kind of an iconic cobblestone street in Nantucket. If you think of Nantucket, that's, you know, the picture of it. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there's a street called Center Street that has a nickname called Petticoat Row. And it goes back to the days when the whalers were gone, the men and the, the captains, the seamen, the sailors, you know, all, all roads led to the wharf. So everyone had something to do with whaling on Nantucket, and the men were gone for years at a time. So the women ran that island. They ran the businesses. They ran the newspapers. They had such a strong presence. Quakerism was the dominant religion, so they were women, female ministers. And Petticoat Road just kind of caught my imagination. I mean, I just mm-hmm. love those stories of you know, the most unlikely situation, and women just can rise to the occasion and be so strong and have such character and provide so much substance to schooling and to welfare and, you know, all that kind of community care and looking after each other. So that has just stuck in my mind for really probably 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And when I started writing for Ravel, I kept pitching because I'm always pitching ideas. Half of them are thrown out and half of them stick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wanted to write about Mary Coffin. And um, this story, this whole series has the journal of Mary Coffin writing to her, her great-granddaughters, you know, granddaughter, great-granddaughter, great-great-granddaughter, it's really their stories, but they keep going back to the grandmother's journal. Oh, I love that. So Mary's life is in three parts. And I um, I went to the Nantucket Historical Society at one point and the association, and I went into their library, signed my life away. <laughs> and I, I mean literally signed my life. put on white gloves, and they went down in the vault, down, 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 and they brought out Mary Coffin's accounting book. And that's all we really have of her writing other than a, a little piece of a letter she wrote to one granddaughter. But she had, at a, she had a store at the time of Nantucket kind of developing where she was involved with everybody's life, with Indians, with who, you know plowing fields, trading for corn, for all kinds of blankets, fishermen, um, people on the island. And it was so, I mean, I, I just felt, I mean, it was 400 years ago old, a sheepskin journal. 
and there was her handwriting. She was very literate, very intelligent woman, beautiful handwriting. Her husband, who was a whaling captain, was illiterate. They had a beautiful marriage, which I think is kind of curious and fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and she, it was um, at the time it was the colonies, so all the money was in pounds and pence and shillings, and it just gave me these, this chill down my spine of just holding it, realizing this was a real person and. I knew I had to get her story in, and so I finally yeah. talked my editor into weaving it through all three books. So I, I think people kind of fall in love with Mary and want to find out what happens next, even though each story is a, each book is a standalone. But but it's fun. I just have loved loved it. It was really hard to pack up the books and put it away. I imagine, yeah. <laughs> it's so special when you find something um, that is so moving in that way that you just have to tell that story because you don't want it to be forgotten as well especially stories that aren't told yet the yeah people who have gone before us and they don't have to be enormous heroes but they just played a role they did the best they could and they made a difference so you're getting to do the nantucket legacy for the next two years after this one um what one are they're all, they're all done they're all be out this year oh they're all going to be out this year that's exciting yeah. All three books, and, and it, the Nantucket Island is one of the characters in the story. She sort of rises and is, like I said, the wealthiest port in the world, and then whaling um, starts to, to get moved off to New Bedford because there's a sandbar building up in Nantucket, which is true, and kerosene is invented, you know, mm-hmm. and that's used now. I mean, when you think of the greed and for whales just so much like our our need for petroleum yeah we're still there we're still in the same energy hunt but and then um in 1836 nantucket is hit by a great fire that just wipes out a third of it and it really never comes back after that and not long after that comes the gold rush and the men are gone (laughs) (laughs) off on another (laughs) quick path to riches yes (laughs) So that's a that's a greater story arc of the all three books, and then then the granddaughters are each, you know, their lives are in each one sort of a family saga. So Suzanne, we've we have we're almost out of time. I know. <laughs> um, so uh, I asked you before we started recording um, if you would like to share one of the things we do at our podcast is we love to talk about what we're watching, what we're reading, and what we're listening to. Um, I was curious if you have any recommendations in any of those categories. So I just finished a book that I thought was wonderful called News of the World, mm-hmm. and it's about a Western, kind of a, after the Civil War, a fellow who goes around Texas and Oklahoma and the, that part of the Southwest reading the news, and there's a little girl who had been kidnapped by Indians, and a little white girl, and she's being returned to her family, and they they find this man and make her take her make him take her back to her family. Mm-hmm. And the, the beauty of it is that it's a very appropriate story, which I love. I, you know, it's really a very tender story. And um, she ends up changing his life in such a remarkable way. I just loved it. So that I would recommend. Listening to, I listen to a lot of TED Talks. Oh, cool. And I heard a fairly interesting one recently, and I, I think the name is Daniel, and I'm missing his last name. But it was about the blue zones in around the world, which relates to the Amish, because they study how little communities or people have lived beyond 100 and what has made their lives so full and healthy and filled with well-being. And so much of it relates to the old order Amish, like uh, multi-generational homes and things like that. So I would highly recommend that. 
I listen to um, music a lot, and my favorite song lately is one called One, Bi- one Billion Times by Hillside United. Mm-hmm. Incredible song about creation. Oh, awesome. Incredible. So that's kind of my life right now, in a nutshell, and the puppies. And the puppies, yes, they're very. Yeah. They have to. <laughs> they take all of your attention when you're not writing. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. And I just looked up the the TED Talk, so it's Dan uh, Butner, I think. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, Gwen. Awesome. Nice work. <laughs> yeah, I was like, that sounds so fascinating. I love TED Talks, so that's always. Um, yeah. Very. Those are the best things to listen to to get motivated, and I listen to a lot of podcasts for motivation. I so know. that's So that's very neat to get new recommendations. Well, Suzanne, my last question for you is, um, where can readers um, and listeners find out more information about you? So I, you can always find me on my website, www.suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, Woods, just like it sounds with an S, Fisher, no C, F-I-S-H-E-R.com. You can connect with me there, and I try to get back to people within 24 hours sometimes shorter, sometimes a little longer, but I, I try to keep up with that really well. And then I'm always on Facebook on my author page, Suzanne Woods Fisher author, and Instagram. That's my other favorite thing. Mm, I love so, Instagram. Um, I think connecting with people is the best part of writing. I have My mom passed away just recently, and I could not believe the outpouring of love and care and thoughtfulness I received from readers. So it was just one of those moments where I just thought, I mean, I have a, a huge package of um, letters that I just mean so much to me, just mm-hmm. so much. So it's more than just writing. It's really all about people and connecting to them. Yeah, relationship building. I think that that's one of the mm-hmm. most beautiful thing of, things about have, being a creative like yourself and then also having the tools to be able to connect to people and see how your work is touching them. Yeah, it is. It's really meaningful. That's really beautiful. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much. I really, I really genuinely appreciate all the time you've given us today to talk about um, Phoebe's Light and all the other books. And I can't wait for readers to uh, take a take um, a stroll down Nantucket memory lane. <laughs> thank you, Gwen. I appreciate it. I hope we'll talk again when the next one comes out. Oh, absolutely. I'd like to extend my thanks again to Suzanne Woods Fisher for joining me today. You can find her Nantucket Legacy series anywhere books are sold. Thank you also to Ravel Books and Bethany House for their continued support of the podcast. Make sure you stop by freshfiction.com to find out more about Suzanne and other Ravel Books and Bethany House authors. We're still growing, so please help us out by subscribing and rating the podcast, leaving a comment, or even just sharing it on social media. You can find us on Twitter by following Fresh Fiction, Instagram as Fresh Fiction, and on Facebook. And until next time, happy reading.